This is the Chicago Podcast Network. Thank you for downloading this episode of Out Front on the Chicago Podcast Network. On today's show, uh, it's the shootings that have happened in Baton Rouge in Minnesota and what's going on with it and our conversation, AJ's and I, um, how we feel about it, uh, what we think the causes are, and generally speaking, it's a conversation about what's going on in the world. And uh, it's... I'm going to let you know we swear a little bit more than we usually do because both of us are pretty emotional with everything that's going on. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network, on Twitter, Chi-Town Podcast One. You can email us on Gmail if you agree or disagree with us, uh, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Here we go. Hey everybody, thank you for downloading this episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. I am Nick Sarantos, editor-in-chief and uh, host here on the Chicago Podcast Network. We'll, dis- we'll go away from the flowery titles. And I am joined over the interwebs and Skype by my good buddy and co-host AJ Signeri. AJ, say hello to the people. Hey, people. Uh, it's another week, AJ, and it's another time for me to give one of these intros that are getting harder and harder to do every week. So here we go. Uh, today's show is going to be about these two shootings uh, that involved the police that took place uh, this week. And we're going to talk about that, how we feel about cops in general, about race, and about what is going on, how we feel about everything all to put together. And... Generally, just kind of talk to you guys today about our feelings. Uh, our shows are normally about an hour long. We're going to shoot for that. It may go a little short. It may go a little long, uh, depending on what we have uh, for you. Uh, I, I would, you know, AJ's on the line, and I feel bad doing this to him every week, but I, I'll start, and then I'll turn it over to him. I wrote a little thing yesterday, a uh, small little paragraph. When I posted the uh, Daily Beast of all websites, had the unedited video of what had happened to Alton Sterling in Baton Rouge. And I, I, it was just something very simple. It was, you know, I don't understand this anymore. I should probably look it up, too. But I, I, I honestly am looking at all of this, and it's, it's, it's very confusing. And I, I, I want to have a better way to put this stuff, but... Here it is. This is what I wrote yesterday. I simply do not understand this anymore. I've watched this video many times today, and I cannot understand why this man is dead. I've seen other videos like this and at least understood how an officer may have perceived a threat. For a while now, I think I operated under the naive assumption that if you became a cop, you did it for the right reasons. I do not know if I believe that now. It is possible for some that people become cops to feel powerful and are looking for a reason to act with that power. I don't want to believe that. I have family members who are or were cops. The one, the one that is currently is someone I have known my whole life. We grew up together. I know he's a good, kind, and caring man. I believe he became a cop to help people, truly. Yet month after month, year after year, I see police officers murdering young black men. Very simple, very easy, nothing special about it. Um, And then I got this reply from a guy named Macaroni Angeloni, and I'm using his Facebook name because, you know, fuck him. The only thing I see is two officers trying to subdue a violent criminal and defending themselves from possible harm or even from being killed themselves. Great job, officers. I salute you for a job well done and protecting law-abiding citizens from animals like that. That was the response. That is the world that we live in. 
Now, I don't want to do play-by-play, AJ, and I don't want to go through just the horrible details of this, but I will say this. When I saw the video yesterday morning as I was getting ready for work, I don't know about you, man, but I thought it was fake. The Alton Sterling one I'm talking about. I, we haven't even gotten on to... Uh, you thought it was fake? I thought it was fake. I literally did. In terms did. of what? I literally thought that there was no way in hell that a cop could casually pull his gun, because that's what it looks like to me, and that is the term I will use, to casually pull his gun from his holster, point it to the back of a suspect, and pull the trigger. I never thought I would see that in the United States of America. Never. Not, it, it's never even entered into my head that it could be that, that casual. Casual is the only word to use to describe it. I, can you, I, I, I know that it happened. I'm not saying that I didn't think that there wasn't somebody shot. What I thought happened was, I, I, and I swear to God, this was my reaction because it was so violent and so over the top that I, I just was like, look, this is a video that somebody produced that they're linking to this to, to get a point across. That's what I thought had happened. I went online to look for people to dissuade it because there was just no way. There was no way in my head, man, that I just watched a man get murdered like that easily on camera in front of people on a city street during the day. There's just, it couldn't, I... I still, right now, believe that my brain is not allowing me to believe that that's what I saw. And I know that it's a disconnect. I know that it's, it's the part of your brain that tries to protect you from shock, maybe. But he just pulls his gun and shoots the dude on the ground. He's restrained. He's on the ground. And the video breaks. And the shit... Did you did you see Colbert after Orlando? I didn't see Colbert after Orlando. Um, I saw clips of what he said, but I never saw like the actual full. Thing okay, of what he said. all right. So basically, his his point was, and it's the same point that John Stewart had made earlier. But it's he gets there and he goes, "I don't know what to say," and you don't know. And he goes, "But the sad truth is, you know what I'm going to say." And you know what the politicians are going to say. And you know what the media is going to say. And you know what the people responding are going to say. And you know that you're going to hear this. All I know is that I'm tired of hearing it. That's basically what he said. I mean, it, it's more eloquent and more Colbert than I could ever produce. But it's, it's a very, it's a good piece of broadcasting that he did. And that's how I feel about this now. There's a... I've talked about it before, and I'll talk about it again. And I've posted it to Facebook on our page at Chicago Podcast Network on Facebook. You know, got to get the plug in. We talked about it, and I played it on your show once, The Shake by Stephen King about shootings. Yeah, right. And it breaks down step-by-step step how we do this every single time and how at the end it just it gets pushed away and it starts all over again. And that's how I feel right now. I feel like this is not new. This is not something special. But to have the video of it, AJ, is just... And again, we're only talking about Alton Sterling. We haven't even gotten in to uh, Fulton Castile, and 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 uh, I, I, I'm at a loss for words, which is a bad thing for a broadcaster to be. And I said, and you had the same post earlier today on social media. I'm at a loss for words, which when you're two people whose job it is to talk, that's a problem. So. I, I, I've been going here for a few minutes, and I, and I want to give it back to you. But I, I just your reaction, your feelings, and we're not going to do the soapbox bit today because it's it's that's for when we're doing stuff that's a little bit funnier. But honestly, AJ, you saw the video of Alton Sterling. Yes, you watched it. Uh, I didn't. I've, I've seen the video um, 
from at least two different angles. Me too. And um, so I, I usually have my TV on at night, either on MSNBC, C-SPAN, Democracy Now!, whatever I'm watching. Good for you. And, I watch Crack.com when I go to sleep. And so I just leave it on, and if I hear something, it'll probably wake me up. And sure enough, <laughs> I'm hearing Alton's mother crying. But I hear Alton's brother crying more so, you know. And I'm like, why am I dreaming of someone crying? And it just gets louder and louder. And I turned, and it's a press conference. And I go, oh, this is a recording. And, and it wasn't. It was live. And I'm like, I go, what happened? And I'm catching myself up about, you know, the murder of Alton Sterling and everything. And so I had to go online and find footage to, you know, kind of see different angles and other people's Facebook posts to see what they have and commentary and all that good jazz. And it it, it just didn't phase me that it happened, you know, and it just didn't phase me. When Falano Castile, <laughs> what happened to him? Uh, it just didn't phase me. Not because I'm not empathetic to what happened to them. It's just that I've seen it and hear it all the, all the time. When I was in the South Side in Chicago, and when I did stuff in the West Side of Chicago, I've seen it all the time in Milwaukee. I've seen it in Springfield, Illinois. I've seen it in Iowa. I, I've seen it in New York City, and everywhere I've traveled, you know, and I've just seen it, and I'm just sick and tired. I mean, I was really sick and tired of Orlando, and I still am, but I'm more so sick and tired of police doing this. And I hear, if I hear one more time that it's not all cops, no fucking shit, it's not probably all cops. But when your own colleagues are conducting behavior or not following protocol or making a judgment call that they feel that they should be doing, that's on them. If they cannot do their job, if they cannot conduct the kind of protocol that needs to happen or they feel the judgment call ought to be pull the gun out, and not shoot the shoulder, the elbow, the thigh, or wherever else that will just contain the person that they think is being hostile, then they're not doing their job. Why do you have to point and shoot at vital areas? Why do you feel that putting a gun at someone's chest, someone's head, someone's wherever, that, that you know that it's going to be fatal? What right do you have as a person? I was watching the um, testimony, a little bit of the testimony on um, FBI Director Kobe, Kobe. And um, the one thing I got out of that was peop the, the um, Congress officials were nitpicking on the word intent. And that word still sticks with me. What intent does said police officer have when they're drawing the gun? When do they stop becoming a professional 
and start becoming a person enraged. That's what I want to know. There is a psychological disconnect when someone who's an officer and they feel that you have to put you have to pull the gun out, you have to do this, you know. At what point do you feel? At what point was a gentleman who shot the one black gentleman in the back while he was running? At what point was the disconnect that happened when Eric Brown got chokehold? What when was it the disconnect happened when Trayvon Martin got shot? Where was the disconnect when Rikita Boy got shot? Where was the disconnect? With Stephon Watts, Flint Farmer, Laclan McDonald, Tamir Rice. Do I need to continue? No, you don't need to continue. And this is where I, I want to go back to something you said early on, which was this annoying thing that's been happening since this stuff has started. And that is the, well, it's not all cops. And like you said, well, no shit. Like, yeah, in, in the percentage of cops, like, look, you can break it down like this. I did the numbers last night when I was working on that uh, little thing because it was going to be a lot longer, and I decided against it. But um, there are roughly 13,000 cops in the city of Chicago, okay? 13,000? Roughly. Like employees of the police, in, employees of the police force, all right? Not just officers on the street, but that's the whole organization. Gotcha. Um, there were only... 22 officer-involved shootings only in Chicago in 2015, okay? Mm-hmm. Percentage-wise, that breaks out to less than half a percent of, of, of cops that have ever fired, of, of, of police department employees who have ever pulled their gun in the city of Chicago and fired. Right. So, that, so the numbers tell you that it's not all cops. No shit. But like you said, it's not the fact that it's all cops. It's the fact that once they do this shit that they're not punished for it. It's the fact that no indictments come down. It's the fact that there is apparently nothing to dissuade a cop from pulling his gun in the first place. Because if you are a cop in today's world, why the fuck would you ever even reach for your gun? Knowing what you know now. Because like, it's, it's, there's, no, there's a joke that, not know, that John Oliver made. Like not know, we now know that SeaWorld is full of, that the pools at SeaWorld are made of whale tears. We can't <laughs> unknow that. We can't, we can't unknow that cops have been killing black men at numbers across this country much higher than they kill anybody else. And I don't care what anybody says anymore. It is a race issue. It is a discrimination issue. Now, you can get into social stuff. You can talk about all sorts of shit when you start bringing that kind of stuff up. But it comes down to this. People are dying. And nobody seems to give a shit. And when... That is your relationship with the police. And this is where it gets tricky for you and I. I don't know how you're supposed to have a positive reaction with the police. And, and, and what I mean by that is, if you grow up on the south side of Chicago or in Baton Rouge or any place where this kind of shit is going on, Baltimore is a good example too, and your only relationship with the police is adversarial, right. or your parents have to have a conversation with you when you are a small child, if a police officer stops you, you need to make absolute, like, they have to train you on how to deal with police. And I get 
Because the argument has been, well, just do what they say. And you know what? Fuck that. Because this is the part where I get pissed off. Because I'm a white boy from the suburbs. And if a cop's pissing me off, I'm going to mouth off to the motherfucker because he deserves it. Because if he doesn't know how to do his goddamn job, apparently better than I do, then I'm going to remind him of it. I had a friend of mine who used to always, when he got pulled over, just pretend he was a lawyer. And he would lawyer his way out of tickets. And it was one of the coolest things I ever saw because he just wouldn't back down. But if he was black, he would have been shot. Mm -hmm. And... It doesn't seem to register with people, but it comes down even more to this. Police, this is what I was working on yesterday, AJ, so stick with me for a minute. I'm curious your reaction. But when I was, when I was young and much younger than I am now, when I, when I was a kid and like we're talking first grade and younger, I went to Catholic school, which would be shocking considering the way I carry myself. But I did. I went to Catholic school uh, from kindergarten through sixth grade. And when I was in Catholic school, we went to church as a family. We didn't do it often, maybe once a month, but we went. My mom, my sister, my grandma, my grandpa, and occasionally my dad. My dad's Greek Orthodox, so he wouldn't necessarily always embrace the Catholicism stuff. But we would go, and we would go to church. And then I got older, and I stopped going because I was older. I wasn't in Catholic school, and when you're a teenager, church has no meaning to you. But my grandma still went, and my grandma worked at the church. She worked... Uh, as a volunteer for the the charity house, she worked as a writer because she was an English teacher and had written for a couple newspapers. She wrote for the the school's newsletter. She helped out around the um, what the hell? It has, it has a name where the priests live. It uh, doesn't matter. The but rectory. The rectory. She worked around the rectory, working in the office. She did all of that. And then about the late nineties, when those stories started breaking about priests molesting kids and the cover up that was happening with it. She stopped going. It started off, she stopped writing for the newsletter, but she still helped around the office. Then she stopped helping at the office. Then she stopped volunteering. And then finally, in about 2002, around the time that Spotlight happened, I didn't know about it when it happened, but around that time, she stopped going to church. She still doesn't go. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and I'll tell you that the numbers in that facility tell you that it was 5% of priests, which is a very high number, but it was 5% of priests were molesting kids. And it destroyed her faith in the Catholic Church, and she's not alone. The church has experienced something like 75% drop-off in mass attendance since the late 90s. Now, there are other factors in that. You know, the, the church's stance on homosexuality is a big factor. The church's stance on abortion is a huge factor. But more than that, the, it all started with the priests and bad priests and the the expression that keeps getting thrown around don't let a few bad apples spoil the bunch well a few bad apples spoiled the bunch and then the bunch was the catholic church and destroyed people's faith in the church but here's the difference between church and the cops you can stop going to church you have that option it's not an easy option for people who are truly of the faith Mm -hmm. but they have that option you can stop going your faith can leave you and you can stop going You don't have that option as an adult in American society with the police. You cannot stop using the police. Our society does not function without police. We need police, but we don't just need police. We need good police, or as they say on the wire, real police. We need guys who are willing, and this is where it gets complicated too, because this is where my belief in what a cop has chosen, I think, matters. I have a friend of a friend. Her husband is a cop. And we got into it after Ferguson. I think I told you about this. Where I said to her, 
look, I don't care that that cop felt that he was in danger. He needed to be sure that he was in danger. And she goes, well, he thought that he was. I said, but everything tells us that he shouldn't have thought that. And he still fired, and he still killed a kid. And this is where it gets complicated. If you choose to be an officer in a police force in a major American city, you have agreed to put your life on the line for civilians. Would you agree, AJ? Yeah, if if that's the profession you're choosing to do, then yes. Okay. Now, here's where you have to choose. When you've made that choice, every civilian life, including those that you think of as guilty, are more important than yours. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That's the life you chose. If you, don't want, if you don't want that to be the case, then don't be a cop. But you need to err on the side of this is an innocent person, and I need to not hurt them because that is the job that you have chosen. The, the videos you see, PBS did a great piece last week that you see on Frontline called Policing yeah. the Police. It, it, it was an amazing thing, uh, and it was all about um, Newark, New Jersey. It was mm-hmm. a fascinating documentary. And you can see from the cop's perspective that they don't feel they're doing anything wrong when they are clearly doing stuff that is wrong, when they are violating civil rights, when they aren't Mirandizing people. When they're doing street rips, which is just pull over and, and, and search somebody because they feel that they're suspicious. When they arrest people for just running. When anything that you can think of, they are doing, and it is a violation of the rules that have been set up. And they say that they're doing it to protect themselves. Well, I'm sorry to tell you this. Your life, you have chosen a life of sacrifice. You have chosen a life where... Your life is not as important as the civilians. It is the same choice that a soldier has made when they fight in war. Because a soldier's job is to protect the innocent people of his home country. And if a soldier dies, as sad as that is, it is not a tragedy. It is a choice that was made. And when a choice, when you choose to kill a black man on the street who is subdued, you are not only not doing your job, you are violating the oath that you have taken, and you are putting your life ahead of a civilian's. And all of those things mean that you should not have been a cop in the first place, but more importantly, more importantly, you're killing somebody, and that should be the last thing that you want to do. And I feel like the the attitude has been gung-ho, and we're out here fighting a war against crime when you're not. You are dealing with societal issues. You are dealing with everything in, on the street because this is not just a police violence problem. This is a societal issue, and it's going to keep happening until we make drastic changes to things, and they are the changes that a lot of politicians promise but never bring. And, I, 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 and again, all it took was 5% of priests to destroy the Catholic Church. It's going to take less than that to destroy people's faith in the police department. And once that's completely gone, once that's eroded to nothing, man, I don't know what happens. I really don't. But this is untenable. This can't keep happening. This just, it, is, it is a situation that can no longer sustain itself without some sort of revolution. Do you think I, like, I, I honestly rack my brain because the truth is, there is a solution to all of this, and it's the same solution with all the other problems in America, and nobody wants to hear it. It's, it's honestly, raise taxes and pay people more money who, who work. Those are the answers to these problems, and nobody wants to hear that, and instead they just want to keep saying, well, it's a cycle, it's a cycle, it's an unending thing, which is bullshit. It's all bullshit, and, and, and I get, 
Like, there's a lot of rage in me today about this that, that I'm bottling up, and I'm trying to not just let go because you won't be able to understand what I'm saying once I start going. But I, anything I've said, AJ, do you disagree? Do you agree? What, where, what do you think of what I just said? So there's, there's a couple of things. One, and it's what you've just been saying. Someone chooses to go into law enforcement. Someone chooses to be an EMT. Someone chooses to go into firefighting. Someone chooses to go in the military, right? That's a choice. And when you sign up for said profession, you know full well what you're getting yourself into. I can't tell you how many people I know personally and people I've just ran into who are police officers and in the military, I'm always in this constant, you know, argument that what they're doing, you know, they're doing it for various reasons and they need to be respected and that what they're doing is hard and people should, you know, let up on what they're doing. And I'm like, but you chose a profession that you full well know is going to be stressful from the word go. You full well know that there's already contention of the profession that you're going to be doing and everything. So I don't really understand when someone says, well, my, like, my, my favorite line from them is, my job is hard. As if that's the trump card that everyone else does for a living cannot fathom what they do. Well, you're right. I can't fathom what you do at your job. I mean, I don't know if you just sit behind a desk and just file reports, if you're actually on a beat, um, if you're doing administrative work, um, if you're doing detective work. I don't know. I really don't know. But your line of work does not trump a nurse. It doesn't trump a teacher. It doesn't trump the garbage collector. It doesn't trump, you know, even us activists or a radio broadcaster. It doesn't trump anybody because work is relative. It is. Um, and you're right when you said that, you know, if you raise wages and, you know, have at least, you know, be empathetic to the worker then you may curb a lot of feelings and things that go along with that. If you've talked to me about six years ago, I would have said, you know, the police are just doing their job. There are bad people, but we shouldn't give them any flack at all. They're just doing their job. It's just we have to focus on the ones that are the bad apples and pull those bad apples out of the barrel. That's easy to do. But it's hard to defend a line of profession when you see things in the news, you see it for yourself, you read it in a newspaper, that it seems like every day, every hour, every minute, something happens by a police officer. So it's hard for me to defend someone in a profession where it seems like they're just playing cowboys. 
it's hard for me to defend that they're carrying out certain policies that is targeting towards black people, the Latin community, women, people in the LGBT community, Asians, Native Americans. It's kind of, it's kind of hard to defend when you're conducting those things to the groups I just mentioned. So six years ago, I would have, like I said, I would have defended them. Now, I'm sorry, and some people may dis disagree with me on this, and you might as well, that the police is part of the apparatus of the state. They get paid by city government. The county pays county sheriffs to do the work that they want them to do. And sure, it may be serving protecting, but who are they really protecting? Because I, I've seen it all the time in rural Illinois. I've seen it a lot in metro areas. And I come back to the question of who are they really protecting? Who are they protecting? Because they're not helping the drug addict to get sobered up. No, they're going to put them in jail. Instead of, you know, hey, you know, I'm going to take you off the street. Let's put you in the hospital. No, I'm going to take you away to put you in jail, going to confiscate your stash, and I'm going to use you as leverage so I can get your drug dealer, and then we're going to take this down. Or I'm going to pull this black guy over. And again, we're talking about intent. They pull someone over, happens to be black, and you're asking them to get pat down and everything. And let's say you have a white friend with you, and they ask your white friend to come out, and your white friend says, hey, I have pot on me. They give the pot over. They get handcuffed. Meanwhile, your black friend is getting beat up for something that he didn't do. That's, a, that's the breakdown that I'm concerned about. What is the intent? of what you're doing in your profession. How can I defend you while you work for a government agency? And that might sound conspiratorial and that's that's your line of thinking, but you just ask the question. Who are they protecting? How are they helping other people? Because they're not. They're not at all. When I was down in Tampa for the 2012 Republican Presidential Convention, that was the first time I'm seeing 20-foot iron walls in downtown Tampa and practically a Sherman tank in the streets of Tampa. And upon my research, the city of Tampa bought it just for that. And now they have it. The taxpayers of Tampa paid for that tank for this one event. And I'm sorry, I mean, last I knew, I mean, Tampa is not being attacked by Key Westers or people from Orlando. So why do you need it still? I mean, we, that's why I'm always on this opinion that the community needs to control what's going on and, you know, there's a lot of models out there and we need to hash out which model fits best. 
But at the end of the day, we need to control our communities. The only way we're going to curb the discrimination, the segregations, and the prejudices that we have is really controlling our neighborhoods, our block. That's the only way you're going to do it. You got to know people. You got to talk with somebody. You know, if you have enough people saying, you know, they're good people. Why are you doing this? You know, in Milwaukee, we had a gentleman got pulled over by a police on bike, and we saw him. I said, Joe, you okay? He goes, no, man, he's, he's patting me down and frisking me. I don't know what to do. So all of us, you know, went up to the officers and I go, he's good people. You know, he just walks around. He's trying to find another place. We got him, and he was in our care for the time being. You know, that's the thing I'm talking about. You know, and if we continue to allow the police to keep doing what they're going to do, then I'm sorry, it's nothing more than genocide. That's all there is to it. You may disagree with um, you may disagree with me on that. You may think I'm sounding crazy, but what else is it? What else are you going to call it? I mean, we're we're mass incarcerating them in places like Louisiana, Chicago, New York City, Oklahoma, California, and Texas. We're essentially lynching them on the street. What else are you going to call it? I'm not saying it with white people. That's a, you know what? That's a fair fucking point. <laughs> no, seriously, because it's 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 one of those words. It's one of those things that we don't talk about anymore. We don't we don't use words that are the right words for what's happening. Maybe it is. Maybe it is just a straight up the American version of genocide, because you're right. I mean, look, it, the incarceration numbers are insane. And if you guys don't believe us, if you think we're making shit up, just go ahead and go, literally type in, you know, black people in jail on, on your Google. And believe me when I tell you, you will find numbers that will blow your fucking mind. And I'm sorry for the language today, folks, but this is an issue that requires honesty. And language is an important part of it. I, I don't know, man. I, 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 I guess. I think part of it is I don't want to believe it. Does that make sense? That I just don't want to admit that I live. So- well, you don't want to believe it because we have the complexion for the protection that we have. And I just you know don't want to, yeah, so I don't want to feel guilty about the fact that I know it won't be me. <laughs> I mean, we have the complexion because that's not our reality. You and I, in our experience, do not have to worry about if I walk down the street, something's going to happen. Or if I drive this particular car, or if I'm at a party, or whatever I'm going to be at. We don't have to worry about that. We have to, I mean, my friends have to worry about make sure you don't have a knife. Make sure your pants are pulled up. Make sure your skins are closely fitted. Make sure you're doing this. Make sure you're doing that. Make sure your hands are up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they, that's their reality. You know, and I'm not here to tell them what the reality is. They know what it is. I'm just telling you, and everyone else is listening, this is what my friends and colleagues are telling me, all right? And for those listeners 
who are white. Again, we have, and I can't emphasize this enough, we have the complexion that is the protection for us to do the things we need to do in life. We do not have to worry about it. And if someone's going to say, uh-uh, I'm here in Podunk, Illinois, and I'm doing all this. You're right. There are different other reasons that the police can come after us for. Don't get me wrong. But we're talking about even small towns and metro areas that that's the reality that the black community is facing, that the Latin community is facing, the Asian community is facing. That's what they're facing. And I'm not even talking about you know, young black women or people of color who are also LGB or T. Yeah, which is a whole other... You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that in itself is like a triple, if not quadruple negative if someone is a woman who's black or if they're Muslim or they're trans or whatever they are. So it seems like the more... Darker your skin color is, the more "quote unquote" radical your religion is, the more different that you are. It's more of a negative to you. But if you happen to be a straight white male, or even a gay white male, or lesbian, you're fine. You just have to worry about that you don't have enough, you know, <clears throat> charges against you in order for you to go to jail or anything, or you don't have like multiple tattoos. Or you have a different way of thinking. That's a problem that we have. You know? I mean, <laughs> anyone else, they're screwed. Well, I'm trying to think of a parallel that you could use to give people an idea of what we're talking about. And the best that I can think of is, um, who's a beloved young... Like, Okay, let's go with Michael B. Jordan. Michael okay. B. Jordan is, is, is right now one of the most popular actors in Hollywood. You know what? Let's do even better than that. Let's do Anthony Mackie, Falcon. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Charming dude, lovable guy. Uh, everything you see him in interviews, the most kind, you know, funny dude who, who you get the idea genuinely is like a nice, good person. Even right. more so than the rest of the Avengers, he's just like the actor who plays him. No ego, no bullshit. Just a really nice dude. And let's say that he is in a he is at the exact same time, in the exact same place in. Let, let's just say Los Angeles. Same place, same time. Both guys have a gram of weed on them. One is Michael B. Jordan, and the other is Justin Bieber. Which one of those two is getting arrested? Well, Michael B. Jordan, for sure. Exactly. And of those two, history tells us that Michael B. Jordan is a much better person than, or um, Anthony Mackie is a much better person than Justin Bieber, Right. Justin right. Bieber has been known, like, has allegedly assaulted three different people in, in the last year, you know, in fights in bars. He's done all this terrible shit, but we all know that the minute a cop becomes involved, Anthony Mackie's going to be the one that the cops are going to fuck with. Whether well, or not the cops even, are white or black. Even, even if you want to go the quote-unquote fair route, let's say they both equally get arrested, but you know Justin Bieber is going to get out quicker and Michael B. Jordan is still going to be interrogated. Yeah. You what, know? What, what <laughs> so were you even, doing? If they, even if they both were equally arrested and possibly going to jail, one is going to get out quicker, whether it's on bond or whatever it is. 
The other is going to be interrogated, and they're going to be like denying bail or whatever they're going to do to keep him in jail. By interrupt you guys. No, 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 no. That, that's that's that that's. But it's it's the same point that I'm trying to make. Because they're going to sweat Anthony Mackie, Michael B. Jordan. you know. And again, I don't want to just like point out, but I was just trying to think of two young, popular right, right. black guys and who aren't rappers. Because you can't bring up a rapper, AJ, because God forbid, like Chance the Rapper could be shot on the street because he's a rapper. And that means, because, well, he's a rapper. He's clearly bad. Now, if you listen to Chance's music, whether you like it or not, it is insanely positive and insanely unifying, and is in general the, one of the most positive musical messages you will have heard in the last 40 years in any <clears throat> culture, right? Well, in Chris Rock, and this is what I love about Chris Rock, I've loved Chris Rock since I first heard him on SNL. And he did one special. Kill the Messenger <clears throat> or Bigger and Blacker? Uh, it was not that one. Something I, I want to say it's Never Scared Tour. Yeah, that, that was the third one. That was his third album. It might have been that, but he talks about the bit how he loves rap music, that he loves it so much and everything, but he's so sad that all of his favorite rappers are dying, you know? And he talks about Biggie, the notorious B.I.G., you know, gun down, and nothing else has happened since his murder. Jam Master J, video footage in Queens in a recording studio, Jam Master J from Run DMC. The footage shows the person shooting Jam Master J and runs out, but the guy's never been caught. Tupac, who's on the strip in Vegas. Where there are more cameras than anywhere else on the planet. And it was also after a Mike Tyson fight, as he said. Everyone saw that. Nothing about Tupac. But, if David, and at the time, if, if David Bowie and Elton John happened to them, they're going to have Bruce Springsteen's house surrounded. You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> it's that level of, again, the complexion that we have the protection of. So why is it when you do have celebrities at a certain caliber like Tupac, like Biggie, like Jam Master J, and others that... They do not have their day in court to this day, you know, but other musicians, it's a loss. We have, we have to, you know, think about this and everything. Oh, we're going to have a memorial on MTV and all that with the others. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes to a legal and law enforcement level, we're not going to continue on with the investigation and everything. So that's why I, I call a little bit of BS that it doesn't matter if you're Denzel Washington or Anthony Mackie, Michael B. Jordan, or Michael Jordan. It doesn't matter who you are. I mean, if you have to be, if you're a certain person of a certain complexion, the law is going to be different than someone else and everything. You know, and sure, you know, law enforcement has, you know, busted down on some of us punks and skaters and all that. Yeah, they, and that's, they the have, that's, the, that's the bullshit. That's the bullshit. Not the same level as, you know, other people. I, I got a guy I know who always likes to talk about this shit. And he goes, when I was younger, you know, I got in trouble and I learned my lesson and I stopped, you know, doing stupid shit. And you kind of look at them and you go, listen, man, like, I. People who keep throwing in, like, 
Because there's this thing that happens with a lot of white people, and I'm going to say white people because this is what we're doing here, that I know that interpret their life as the life of being black in America. Mm-hmm. That, yes, there's racism, but it's not that bad. That it's over-exaggerated. That there's a culture of victimhood. That there's all of this other you know words that you can use to diminish the fact that it's sucks to be a black man in America that it just it just sucks um that it's probably the, the the worst thing that you could be in America right now is a black muslim man like that's oh god yes that 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 that's just it you're hated by everybody you're distrusted by everybody you feel by the way like the system is designed to target you and be suspicious of you and it's incumbent on you to behave better to behave more clearly and succinctly with dealing with police. And it's all bullshit because I know that if I get pulled over by a cop, my life is not in danger. Could you imagine being black and getting pulled over and your life is in danger? That's a fucked up way to live your life. The, the thing that is set up to protect you is actually there to, it actually makes you feel endangered. That is fucked up. And the thing that sucks is, you you can't say this stuff anymore because what you'll get is just this line of people going the most bullshit and I'm and I'm gonna start saying this if somebody gives me an all lives matter thing on my stuff anymore I'm just gonna call them a racist and I'm gonna look at them and go all lives matter is a racist fucking thing and people are gonna look at you and go what do you mean I go because the point is that all lives do not matter if all lives matter then black kids wouldn't be getting gunned down by cops in the middle of the street and. That is what is happening. And the fact that we keep acting like, oh, it's a few bad apples. or oh, it's a-. No, this is an institutional societal problem because they do not, cops, black and white cops, by the way, apparently Asian cops as well, simply do not value the lives of poor black men. They do not. They don't treat them the proper way. They don't treat them with what is needed in a way to make sure that the, the interaction goes down in a safe manner. They don't give a shit. It's an institutional problem. And the way that we know that is because it happens everywhere. It's not just happening in one department. That's the thing, right? Like, it's happening all over the country. It's not just in the South. It's not just in the North. It's not just in Nevada or Arizona. It's in every major city in the United States. At any given point, cops are treating young black men like they are criminals before they treat them like human beings. That is happening everywhere, and it is bullshit, and it is unfair. And the worst thing about it is, like... Our opinions are diminished because we're not black. Our opinions are diminished because we're not cops. Other people's opinions are diminished because they are black. Because, well, obviously they say this because they're black and they're taking automatically taking the side of the victim. Or, obviously these people are taking the side of that because they're cops. And it's just, it never stops. And it doesn't get down to the simple fact that the truth is there's not enough willpower to save these lives, to fix these problems. And it all comes back, and this is where, and I want to spend the last 10 minutes on this, AJ, really focusing on this. It comes down to money. As with most things in America, it comes down with money. Because if those neighborhoods were nicer, if those kids were richer and had political power in their their bag, this wouldn't be happening. But nobody gives a shit because these are the kind of people who aren't going to vote. And these are the kind of people who can't get to a polling place because redistricting has fucked them out of the ability to get to a convenient polling place. Or their district has changed three times in the last six years due to gerrymandering to make sure that they're not voting in the conservatives district. And all of this shit just keeps piling up. And you've got people who are standing on the street 
begging and yelling and screaming and fighting for a $15 an hour minimum wage, which even the Labor Department says is not enough money. The fucking Labor Department that runs all of this shit for the country goes, $15 an hour is not enough. They, people should be making a minimum wage of $21 an hour right now going up by $0.50 cents an hour every year for all, in perpetuity until inflation goes higher, and then it needs to go up more. Like These numbers don't come out of nowhere. There are mathematicians and scientists and sociologists and social workers and people who go out of their way to explain to people it needs, it needs money and will, and it also demands sacrifice from all of us. So here's what I'm going to tell you. If you're listening to this show, if you're reading these news articles and you're going, God damn it, I wish that there was something that we could do. There is. It's very simple. Agree to pay more in taxes. When somebody tells you that they should get $15 an hour minimum wage at McDonald's, correct them, but don't say that they should make less. Say that they should be fighting for more. And that a CEO's pay of a major Fortune 500 company should not be 500 times the line worker at his factories. That the, the haves and the have-nots, this is what it looks like when society starts to fail. I hate to break it to people, but it starts with shit like this that keeps getting worse. And it is getting worse. And it may not be happening. This is the thing. The numbers might tell you that it's happening less. And that may be true. It may be. But we can see it now. There's a light on it. It's shining bright as fucking day. And people can see this. And if you haven't watched that video, I don't normally recommend to people to watch this stuff. Watch it. Understand why we're so angry. And I'm talking about Alton Sterling. I'm not even talking about, again, uh, full in... Uh, Castillo? Yeah, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking simply about Alton Sterling. If you watch the video for Castile up in Minnesota, that's fucked up on a whole different level because the cop is clearly panicking when he's talking to her. It's, right? It's very much a, I told him not to do that, I told him not to do that, and she goes, you told him to reach for his license. He reached for his license and you shot him. Like the cop is... I'm, and I'm sorry, at, at no point that I've seen on Alton Sterling's video... Because he's on his back. He's tackled and then held to the ground. But yet he has a gun? They're saying and that, that they're saying that there was a gun in his like on, on his leg. Like well, that's I, the thing, in, in it's a like holster. he has a gun, he has a gun, and then you hear fire from them. Right. And it's like you have his left arm pinned down with your knee, and obviously I can't see what's on the right side of his body, but I can clearly see he's under Oh, no, look at his shoulders. Car. Look at his shoulders. Both of his shoulders are restrained. Right? That's the thing. And like, look at his shoulders. He has the restraint to get a gun from his pocket like that? My roommate pointed out that he, what he thinks happened is, is he and he might be right, he thinks, and that once, he, once I say this to you, you might realize, he thinks that the cop who was in front near his head not the one on the left side, but in front of him. The one, yeah, not the one that's holding him down from behind, but the one that's, the, that's, that's closer, the one who fires. Yes. That he heard gun and took uh, it as a threat. Well, yeah. And fired. But but still. That, listen, I'm not saying that that excuses anything. That no, actually not, makes not, it I'm worse. I'm not excusing it either. But again, it goes back to what I said. The protocol tells you, as I remembered, that until the other person fires, then you fire. You don't fire first. Yeah. That's what I always thought. But now so, it's a perceived threat. It's a perceived threat. Well, I perceive a threat right now. There's a candle above my head that could fall and break it. Should I shoot it? Like, right? 
perceived threat, that's the line that we're drawing, and it gets back to what we talked about before. If you have chosen to be a cop, whether you want to agree to this or not, doesn't matter. You agreed to become a cop. Your life is forfeit in the life of a civilian. Whether you think that they are innocent or guilty does not matter. If Adolf fucking Hitler is standing on a cliff and you feel something that you have an opportunity to keep him alive and it may hurt you, guess what? You've got to be the one to get hurt because you don't know for sure that that is Adolf Hitler. Like, I, 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 Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Like, Is my point being clear? Because I feel like when I'm trying to make this point, my point's not clear. But it's, it's, it's very simple. Your life is forfeit in comparison to a civilian's. I don't give a shit. You can sit there and say, well, what about my family? You know what? You're, then that's the choice. You made the choice. You, you made, made that choice. choice. That is the choice that you made as a cop to be better. And whoever you married also knows it's the choice that they're also being a participant in. Goddamn right. And this and that's what kills me too is like I hear spouses who are also working in law enforcement. And it's like my husband, my wife. I go, you know, you have to worry about family number one, right? You have to worry about them, but you fully well know what you guys made a choice of what your primary roles are and what your secondary roles are, sociologically speaking. All right, you know that. You need to work. This is the work. And when you come home, you're in another role. You know what those roles are. You know those are the, rule, those are the roles. And I'm saying roles, not rules. The roles that you both agreed or just had this innate thinking of, of what's going on. So don't sit there and tell us that, you know, your guys' life lives trump everyone else's because again it's your choice you don't know what's going to happen the next day you we don't but i can tell you if you're in law enforcement and if you and i've always advocated law enforcement law people in law enforcement should at least study criminology more that you should be able to predict what will happen if something's gonna be going on the next day I don't I, I really AJ the, the more that this stuff just keeps popping up and, and, and happening and, and I I tell people all the time when they go why do you do the podcast because I do get asked do you ever get asked that what like why do you do the broadcasting especially like look to all of our listeners we don't get paid to do this we do this because we want to eventually get paid to do it but we, we also do it I don't know about you AJ but I feel like there's a need like, I have a need to get my stuff out. I don't know about you. Um, no, and, and most of the people, like, know I do this. They know why I do this. Yeah. You know? So it's not like they're asking the question. But Like, look, someone... fortune would be great, but what we do is more important to us. Right. And the only reason I'm saying that is when people ask me, what, why do I do it? And I say, because I can't be Batman. And that's the truth. I grew up in a world of imagination. Um, it was not, not like my parents or anything like that were crazy or anything, but I just mean I read a lot of fiction growing up, and I was always reading books that were much more at a higher level than I should have been reading or, or whatever. Like I was reading Stephen King when I was nine, like that kind of shit. It explains the profanity. But the only reason I'm mentioning that is 
I how do how do I express this the proper way? I grew up in a world of heroes. And I believe in heroes. I believe that given a choice, mankind will do what is right as a whole. That is a faith that I have based a lot of my life on. Uh, I don't believe in God or at least traditional religions the way that other people do. I don't believe in um, spirituality the way that other people do. But what I believe in is I believe that people are fundamentally good. I truly do believe that. It's, it's a, maybe a naive thing. But I believe when given a choice to do what is right and what is wrong, if there is nothing gained by doing what is wrong, people will do what is right. Um, I don't know if I believe that anymore. My faith in that is being shaken by this and the reaction to this because and, and we're coming up on the end of it. So I'm going to say this. Yesterday morning I woke up ready to go to work at my dad's office and do what I normally do, which is live my very idyllic suburban white life where cops are an inconvenience, not a threat, where food is not a concern of mine. Healthy food, by the way, is not a concern of mine, despite how I look. Um, all of those things. And then I turn on the TV or I turn on the Internet and my friend had posted that video. And I watched a 37-year-old man. I'm 33. I watched a man four years older than I be tackled, restrained, and murdered by the police. And within an hour of that happening, I saw people defending it and saying that the guy did this wrong or he did that wrong or he was selling CDs illegally or videos illegally, which nobody has proven, by the way. They just said he sold CDs and DVDs, but the assumption is that he was selling bootleg, which is... Racist and yeah, and who cares? But whatever. But my question to you is this: to anyone who would question what, what what's going on, does this man, for anything that he had done, deserve to be dead by the hands of the police? And if your answer is anything other than absolutely not, then you need to reevaluate how you look at the world, because that man should not be dead, and he is. And. We don't know a lot about what happened in Minnesota, so I don't want to talk a lot about it. But I do know that I saw a man get murdered yesterday. I saw a man get murdered. And it wasn't Faces of Death where I'm at a party and we're all watching weird, fucked-up shit. Like, this is a straight-up execution by government officials of an African-American man on the street in broad daylight in front of people. And you used the term genocide earlier. And there are people who don't want to use that word. And there are people who you can use the word... The, or, or the phrase, the new Jim Crow, which is what I think Cornell West calls it. Mm-hmm. And all of those things are there. But it comes down to this. You know, if you're listening to this, if you've read about it, that it is just easier to be white in America than it is to be black. And that's fucked up. And that needs to stop. And I don't know what the answer is, AJ. Do you know? I, I, I mean, we have ideas. Is it taxes? Is it wages? Is it this? But at the end of the day, it also comes down to the value that we place on human life. Because as Americans, let me tell you what we care about. We care about white people. We care about women. Amazingly enough, most women. We actually do give a shit about at least violence towards women most of the time. Um, We we don't care about uh, violence towards women outside of our borders. But we tend to react generally pretty well towards it. I mean, there are still the rape cases that are discouraged from coming to to trial and all that shit. But my point is that when it goes public, there's an outcry. 
and, and action is sometimes taken. We, we, we care about our sports. We care about our food. We care about our holidays. We care about the war on Christmas or not. We just don't seem to give a shit about cops killing black kids. And the reason that we know we don't give a shit is because it's been 10 years of this shit happening. It's been four years, by the way, of smartphone video of this, and nobody seems to care. And I don't know what the truth is to make people care. I know that there's a great meme going around that people have been putting up going uh, of the, the gentleman in Minnesota. And I just I don't want to say his name because I keep mispronouncing it and it's disrespectful to the dead. But no record, no arguing, was completely compliant, still dead. What's the excuse now? And the only reason that that kid is dead is because he was black and he was pulled over by a cop. That's the only reason. That's, that's the only reason. And then, so, oh, they had weed on them. Okay, well, I got weed on me 24-7. Either in my bloodstream, on my person, or at my house. There is always weed around. Should I be shot dead because I like to smoke weed? Should I be shot dead because I like to drink Jack Daniels when, when alcohol is frowned upon? Like, what, what the fuck? It is really the question here. What the legitimate fuck? What, what the fuck are we doing here? People are being killed on the streets by cops. And the answer seems to be, well, don't be black and don't be a criminal and you won't get shot. If you have nothing, that's my other favorite argument, AJ, that, that comes don't up. All, no, my favorite argument. Well, if you haven't done anything wrong, then you have nothing to worry about. Bullshit. Bullshit. And if you don't doubt that, Look at this. Because any single person in America who has any bit of money has at some point committed a crime. Sorry. Hate to break it to you. You've committed crimes in your life, whether you want to believe it or not. Whether it's as simple as jaywalking. You've committed crimes in your life. Should you be killed? I'm willing to bet your answer is no. I want it to stop. I don't know how to make it stop. I do the podcast because I don't know how to make it stop. Find your podcast, whatever it is. Get people to vote Democrat. And I hate to break it to the conservatives listening, but the answer is, believe it or not, to vote Democrat, Libertarian. I don't even know about Libertarian really right now. Socialist. Vote left wing. <laughs> like, if you don't like Hillary Clinton, fine. Vote left. Do not vote right. Because the right is the side that is defending police today. And there is no defending of the police today. I'm sorry. And I know cops who are good. I've known many good cops. But you know what else I knew, AJ? I knew a lot of good priests. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that I trust them anymore. I don't trust cops. I'm a white boy from the suburbs. I don't trust the police. Imagine how I would feel if I was black and from the south side of Chicago. And unless you got anything else, I think that's as good a place for us to stop this conversation as any. No, I think you summed it up because, I mean, my thoughts is more... Along the same lines where you're thinking, but if there's only one thing I want to <clears throat> say is that race is a construct. And what I mean by that is we have created race. We made race a thing. We inject stereotypes onto various races. We have projected uh, and scapegoated <clears throat> a lot of races and what they're supposed to be and everything. We've done that. All the institutions have done that in education, in government, the media, 
everyone, all of our social institutions and other institutions that we have in society constructed race. And I'm sorry, we all came from Africa. We, those of us who are considered white, sure, we have the um, recessive gene that we have more white melon in our skin and everything. Melatonin. Thank you. Not white melon. I say white melon. It's a melon. Well, anyway. You said white melon. Did I really say white melon? Like, I don't know what a white melon is, but it sounds gross and like it doesn't have flavor. Oh. Kind of okay. like white people. But the point is this. Like I said, race is a construct. And we should not be going against each other, but we are because of what the police are doing, what our government officials are doing when it comes to money, when it comes to work, when it comes to providing accessibility of food, water, and all that. There's a reason why Flint is still going on. There's a reason why people are being shot at. There's a reason why certain demographics are not getting the kind of education or going to college that there should be and everything. There's a reason why there's, there's historically black colleges. There's a reason why all these things are happening. You know what? Let me make it even easier because my favorite racist thing that people always say, and my father has said this too, and I don't think my dad's a racist, but he has said this line. A lot of people you know have said this line. Are you ready for it, AJ? There's a reason why there's a black entertainment television. There's a reason why there isn't white entertainment television, because there is white entertainment television, and it's called CBS, NBC, ABC, well, and Fox. Well, I'm sorry. Even BET is not black. That is also owned true. by white owners. That is also true. It's just there's... <laughs> I, I, you know, but, but you know what I'm saying? No, I agree. I, that, that's my point. And, and a lot of people don't want to admit that either. It's like, because even Eddie Griffith has says, why is a whole bunch of white executives telling me on how to be a young black creative man? It goes beyond even the institutionalization of, of entertainment. It goes, it's everything. It's everything. And we could keep going at this, AJ, for the next, what would you say, 10 years? Oh, God, yeah. But... I think today we're going to stop. We're going to see where the world goes in the next couple of days and probably be back talking about this again, this same issue, I don't know, month, maybe two, if we're really, really lucky, where this won't happen again. But then again, it could happen again tomorrow because it's happening every day. It could happen later on today. It could be happening right now, and we wouldn't know it until it breaks. It is happening right now, but the media's not doing it. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, AJ, say goodbye to the people. Bye, people. This has been the Out Front Show with AJ and Nick here on the Chicago Podcast Network. You can find us on Chicago Podcast Network uh, on the Facebook. You can find us on Twitter, Shytown Podcast 1. You can email us, Gmail, 
uh, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. All of those avenues of communication are available for you to get in touch with us. Um, though be forewarned that if you're some racist asshole who's going to tell us that the cops are just doing their job when they murdered a black kid on the street, that we will call you by name and call you out on our podcast because, again, fuck you and your racist ass. And my name is Nicholas Sarantos. I live in Bensonville and I work in Lincolnwood. And you got a problem? Uh, I believe the term is come at me, bro. Other than that, uh, we out. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You have been listening to the Chicago Podcast Network.